0: Throughout the past year, we've introduced you to a very strange collection of stories about people who have gone missing, disappeared without a trace, never to return. While I was researching stories for the season, I ended up with more information I could possibly use with only 24 episodes. So if you're wondering why we didn't include that particular story you're passionate about, well, there's a chance you still might hear that story. In June 2024, I'll be releasing a follow-up to my book, Without a Trace, that will include not only the stories I found while putting together this season, but unsolved mysteries that were suggested to me by you. Well, as a thanks for all the great feedback, story ideas, text, emails, and support that we've gotten from you this season, I wanted to offer you one last story. You can think of it as a Christmas present since it's Christmas Eve, or you could think of it as a palate cleanser if you want, because next season will be something completely different than this one. I'll warn you though, this isn't your typical missing person story. This one has a bit of a twist, which is why I wanted to save it to the very end. So I hope you enjoy it. Just hours before he vanished, on August 30th, 1902, a wealthy and influential New York ophthalmologist named Dr. William Bates wrote a letter to his wife, Ada, who was out of town visiting her mother. The letter read, My dear wife, I am called out of town to some major operations. I go with Dr. Forsh, an old student, to do a mastoid, some cataracts, and other operations. He promises me a bonanza. Too bad to miss the horse show, but I'm glad to get so much money for us all. I am in such a flurry. Do not worry. I will write details later. Yours lovingly, Willie. Well, it turned out to be a strange letter. Dr. Bates was a wealthy man. He didn't need any extra money. And why was he called out of town on short notice for surgeries that could have waited a few days? And stranger still, after writing that letter, Dr. Bates vanished. He didn't go anywhere with his former student. He wasn't performing operations. He just didn't come home. He was simply gone. William Bates was at the height of his career when he disappeared in 1902. He was in his 40s, handsome, respected, and often consulted by other physicians about unusual cases. He had degrees from Cornell and the College of Physicians and Surgeons and was an attending physician at the Bellevue Hospital and the New York Eye Infirmary. He'd even taught ophthalmology for five years at the New York Postgraduate Medical School and Hospital. To put it simply, this wasn't the kind of man who you'd expect to vanish. And yet he did. And after several days passed without word from her husband, Ada became worried, then frantic. She began contacting friends and family across the country and in Europe. Her husband was a prominent Freemason, so she enlisted the support of the local Masonic Society, and they circulated his photo to chapters around the world. Months passed, and then finally, a letter arrived from Britain. It was reported that a man who fit the missing doctor's description was working as a medical assistant at Charing Cross Hospital in London, after first being admitted there as a patient. Friends in London who responded to Ada's pleas for help found Bates at the hospital. He was, they said, haggard, thin, and his eyes were deeply sunken. He was in terrible shape, and before coming to the hospital, he'd been living on the streets, cold and starving. Even though he had enough money in his bank account, he could have lived in luxury in London for years. Ada boarded the next ship for England, but her reunion with her husband was anything but happy. William didn't recognize her. In fact, he couldn't recall anything about his former life. When Ada warmly greeted him, he reportedly replied, I don't know why you bother, madam. We are strangers. William was reluctantly persuaded to join Ada at the Savoy Hotel for a period of rest and recovery. She'd hoped that some time together would help him remember the life they'd shared, as well as his career as an eye surgeon. Over the next few days, he began to dimly recall a few things, like being called away from New York to board a ship and performing an operation on someone, but so far, nothing about his wife. Confused but hopeful, Ada planned to stay in London for as long as necessary for her husband to recover from his ordeal and for more memories of his old life to return. But all those hopes were destroyed when Dr. Bates abruptly walked out of the Savoy Hotel one day, disappearing into the crowded streets of the city. She spent the next five years tirelessly searching for him across Europe and up and down the American East Coast, spending thousands and thousands of dollars that her husband had left behind. But Ada Bates never saw her husband again. She died in 1907, reportedly holding a portrait of the missing man. But that's not quite the end of our story. I'd promised to twist and you got it. Missing man shows up again, then disappears again, but there's more. In 1910, Dr. J.E. Kelly, who had been a good friend of Dr. Bates during his New York City days, happened to be passing through the town of Grand Forks, North Dakota, a prairie town of about 12,000 people. By sheer luck, Dr. Kelly recognized his old friend, William Bates, who'd set up a small eye doctor practice in town at some point after disappearing twice eight years before. Eventually, Kelly persuaded William to return with him to New York, despite Bates' complete lack of memories about his previous life there. His old friends were shocked and surprised by his return, as were the newspapers who wrote about the eminent Dr. Bates starting his career all over again. William never recovered his memories of his previous life in New York City. Reporters only ever managed to piece together a loose collection of stories, hinting at a ghost-like existence wandering around Europe as an itinerant doctor before settling into life in North Dakota, of all places. A fellow physician who examined William noted, It was as if he'd had a chunk of his mind removed, like a slice of watermelon, chopped away and eaten by an invisible monster. Dr. Bates went on to serve as an attending physician at the Harlem Hospital and eventually remarried. From the outside, it appeared that his life had gone back to normal, but there was one major exception. In the medical field of ophthalmology, where he'd been viewed for years as one of the most brilliant men in the field, William had gone off the deep end. In 1917, William announced a new and unusual theory of eye care. The bait system of eye exercises was offered for the first time in a magazine called Physical Culture, which was run by a notorious health quack and shameless self-promoter named Bernard McFadden. The two men soon had an unexpected hit on their hands among people who didn't know any better, and magazine subscriptions skyrocketed. Three years later, William published, at his own expense, a book of these theories called The Cure of Perfect Eyesight by Treatment Without Glasses. It's a bizarre volume of misinformation and exaggeration, heavily illustrated with unusual photographs, and promised cures for imperfect eyesight that were the exact opposite of what he perfected as an ophthalmologist. He claimed that vision problems were almost exclusively caused by eye strain and nervous tension, rather than problems with the shape of the eyeball or the formation of the lens. Vision issues, he said, could be reduced in their severity or even cured by performing a series of eye exercises and learning how to completely relax the mind. Dr. Bates's followers, and there were a lot of them, were soon busy swinging their eyes from object to object, palming their eyeballs, attempting to visualize pure black as a method of mental relaxation, and most controversially, staring directly at the sun, all in the name of improving their vision. Well, in 1929, the Federal Trade Commission went after Bates for making false and misleading claims. Even so, his methods remain popular because so many of his followers claim they worked. If they worked, though, the results were temporary. Some diseases of the eye, like certain forms of astigmatism, can improve on their own. Reduced mental strain can sometimes improve the experience of one's eyesight, even while defects remain. Plus, the moisture built up by repeated exercises of the eye can occasionally produce a temporary contact lens like effect. But even temporary relief managed to convince even more people they could improve their eyesight without resorting to wearing glasses. For the majority, though, it couldn't. And as time passed, the Bates method became another bit of medical quackery from America's past. And speaking of quackery, What happened to Dr. Bates when he disappeared? The missing years of his life have been commonly referred to as him having amnesia, something we talked about in at least one episode this season. Even though forgetting your identity is a common plot device in movies and on TV, that's not generally the case in real-life amnesia. Instead, people with amnesia usually know who they are, but they may have trouble learning new information or forming new memories. Another possible diagnosis is disassociative fugue, in which a person loses important autobiographical ugh, information and embarks upon, <laughs> embarks upon seemingly aimless pondering. It's an extremely rare condition, but Dr. Bates seems to have exhibited those symptoms. Of course, another possibility is that Dr. Bates just made the whole thing up. Maybe he was tired of his New York life or tired of his marriage or was secretly in debt and just decided to walk away, claiming memory loss as a reason when he was eventually discovered. He disappeared, disappeared again, and came back a different man. But whatever really happened, the truth of it went to the grave with Dr. Bates when he died in 1931. And that finally brings us to the end of season seven. If perhaps it sounds strange to say we hope you enjoyed the season, we'll say we hope you were intrigued by it. I was certainly inspired by the shows we put together and can't wait to bring you even more stories of people who are gone in my upcoming book. But stay tuned for season eight Of the show, which is coming in 2024. And on behalf of Cody and myself, we want to say thanks for listening and we hope you'll come back for our next season after the new year. Thanks a lot and happy holidays. At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward.